We've already seen how servant leadership is rooted and demonstrated in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about servant leadership and the pastor. This week we'll talk specifically about servant leadership and the elder. And I hope, I hope it's something that you've seen before in your life. Servant leadership, that is. I hope it's something that you've seen, demonstrated, expressed, maybe through uh, a co-worker, a teacher, a friend, a neighbor, a teammate, a coach. Maybe it was the boss that was there with you through thick and thin. She was there with you when you had this deadline approaching. It was crunch time, and she's right there in the mix, helping you get the job done and helping you do it right uh, with, with that, that deadline coming. Maybe, maybe you've seen servant leadership in a coach. Maybe after a heartbreaking loss in the playoffs. And that coach comes and says, I've never been more proud to be associated with a group of young people than I am at this very moment. I love you and... Um, one game doesn't define who you are. Maybe you've seen servant leadership in a teacher who goes above and beyond to connect with and care for her students. A teacher who spends her own resources, time, and money to go that extra mile. Servant leadership is something that's beautiful. It's something that we celebrate. It's something that's biblical. It's also something that's challenging and difficult. And we need God's extraordinary grace to be able to appreciate it and to exemplify it in our lives and in our church. So this morning, I want us to take a moment to think about servant leadership and the elder. Why? Well, there are a couple of reasons why this topic is important for us. First of all, we're ramping up as a church. We're getting ready, uh, not just to begin the search for a new senior pastor, which is awesome and big and exciting and daunting, but we're, we're also ramping up to begin the process of nominating and training and uh, electing new elders and deacons in the life of South Baton Rouge Church. In short, elders are men elected by a local church body from among us, called by God to lead and care for this body of believers spiritually. And in the Bible, we see the offices of elder and deacon, and we're going to talk about the office of deacon next week. Stay tuned, come back. Uh, but this week, we're going to look at what servant leadership looks like with the elder. Particularly the elders of this congregation, the ones we have now and the ones that we uh, hope to uh, elect and call in the future. These are folks that are identified, trained, gifted, called, and elected to shepherd and love and care for the flock of God right here at South Baton Rouge Church. And I believe Acts chapter 20 is the best place for us to go to think about what servant leader elders might look like. The, the, the immediate context of Acts chapter 20 is, is simply this. The Apostle Paul spent three years of his life in a city called Ephesus. He, he, he shared his blood, his tears, his prayers, 
his heart with these people. And he had to leave the city because there was a riot. The riot was mainly because the gospel was transforming this place so much that people were upset. And so Paul left, and, and as he's making his way back, back on his way to Jerusalem, he calls for the elders, he calls them about 20 miles away to a city called Miletus, and he meets with them, and he gives them solemn and uh, solid instructions about the life of the church and what they're called to do and how they're called to live. And so that's what I want us to think about this morning. The life, the calling of an elder is the life and calling of servant leadership. So the first thing we see from the passage is that servant leader elders are called. This is one of the principles from this passage and other passages in the Bible. Elders are called by God, ultimately and practically, in real time, in a local congregation, but they are called by God. And, I, and before we go into the details of what the elder is, what it looks like, I want us to, to think about the foundation. Where does this principle come from of, of lay leadership from a local congregation, folks among us, caring for us and leading us? Well, there are a couple of passages in the Bible. First of all, the foundation of the concept of elder as spiritual leader is seen in the book of Exodus. It's seen in Exodus chapter 18 when Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, comes to visit him and they begin to talk and Moses shares the overwhelming amount of work that's on his plate. And Jethro says, essentially, you can't lead all these people yourself. You can't do this by yourself. You need help. You need to identify and call People to lead smaller groups of people. So that's the foundation of the idea of elder in the Bible. And then there are other passages in the Old Testament that talk about the elder. There are a couple specific passages in the New Testament that speak about the characteristics of the elder. And as we get ready to nominate and, and elect elders in this next year, these are two passages that you need to read, that you need to remember, that you need to think through. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. These are passages that you should be meditating on as you begin the elder and deacon nomination process. The characteristics mentioned in these passages are characteristics to which all Christians should aim. It should be the goal and the aspiration of all Christians to to implement, to exemplify these things through the grace of Christ. But, but they're especially marks of the maturing men that God has called to lead us. I don't believe that these lists, when you read them, you'll see, I don't believe they're, they're meant so much to be uh, a checklist. Uh, I believe that they help us in diagnostic questions. Elders, this won't be a shock to you are not perfect people. And they, uh, they're not perfect people who never make mistakes. But these are questions that could help us. Are the things listed in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, are they the things that characterize these men's life? So that's kind of a background a little bit as we think about the calling of elders. Let's focus in on the calling of servant leaders. And we see it here in Acts chapter 20, 
verses 28 and following. What is the eldership all about? Here are a few things that we need to remember. First of all, he calls these Ephesian elders, he calls elders now, to pay careful attention. It says that in verse 28 of Acts 20. Pay careful attention. The office of elder is a serious calling, a call to watch out, to pay close attention, to focus on this. It's important. It's a big deal. Paul tells the Ephesians elders, and he tells us, pay attention. Notice what he says to pay attention to. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Isn't that interesting? First and foremost, front and center, part of the calling of a servant leader elder is for them to pay careful attention to themselves. We automatically think of servant leaders as people who care for others all the time, right? We think about servant leaders as those who take care of the needs of others, and that is a huge part, an essential part of the calling of a servant leader elder. But if elders or pastors or deacons or any other Christian for that matter, they do not give attention to his or her own soul, if they don't care for their own life, their own family, their own bodies, then there will eventually be burnout, cynicism, falling, and ultimately not fulfilling their call. Does that make sense? The same thing we see Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, pay careful attention to yourself and to your doctrine. Keep a close watch on your life. And this is something that we see just in life, in, in crisis situations, in um, natural disasters, when people respond to natural disasters, or in the military, in crisis situations, in the field of battle. If the leaders don't take care of themselves, they will not be in an effective position to lead and care for other people. Same is true in the church and with the elders of the church. And there, there are tons of applications for this, but there are just a few as we think about the prospect of nominating uh, new elders and deacons at South Baton Rouge. As you think about folks to nominate, ask maybe some of these questions. Is this man committed to his relationship with Jesus Christ? Is his life marked by faith and repentance? Does he humbly follow God? Is this person committed to rest, to his family, to boundaries, to the care and health of his own soul? Is he committed to those priorities and servant leadership that we talked about a few weeks ago, to God, to family, to church? As we think about nominating men to the office of elders, we should ask if he pays careful attention to himself. Secondly, uh, the, the, another part of the calling of a servant leader elder is to care for all the flock of God. That's what it says in verse 28. Pay care, careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Just as servant leader, pastor, teachers are called to care for the flock of God, so are the local elders. They're called to care for the whole flock. To care for, to love, to tend, to take care of, to protect, 
to build up, to feed, to provide for the spiritual needs of the local body of believers. And notice that it says all the flock. Not just the easy people, the beautiful people, the influential people. Elders are called to care for all the flock, even the ornery ones. And I've known some of those. Um, Woody wrote about this in a devotional that he sent out about a month ago. Um, But the elders of this church, they care about you. They care about the people of God in this flock. They pray for you. And this is far from perfect. They make mistakes. They overlook things like anyone. But they do care. Especially as we think about the life of our church the past four or five, six months. The elders of the church have been reminded of their calling to glorify God, to care for the flock of God. They're working on plans for the next weeks and months for this congregation. They care. And one of the reasons that we're beginning this process of nominating and electing new elders and deacons is because they need help. They need help. And as the church grows and our ministry grows and we heal from the trauma in the recent past of our church, God has cared for us. God will continue to care for us. And as we think about nominating and electing men to serve in the office of elder, think about men that are already servant leaders. Think about men that know and love God now and deep, deeply care for the church now and the people in this community and folks around this city who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and people around the world that need it. Think about those folks. Another part about this calling of the servant leader elder is that they're called by the Holy Spirit. It says that also in verse 28. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Serving as an elder isn't just part, a normal part of life in Christianity. It's not just the next step. It is an external calling where people identify gifts in you and say, we think you should do this. Where someone is trained and examined and elected. But there's also an internal calling where that person senses and knows a growing sense, even if it's scary and overwhelming, that God has gifted and called me to this task. The last thing about the calling of the servant leader elder is this. It's marked by the value of the sheep. You ever thought about that before? Look at what the Bible says in verse 28. Which he obtained with his own blood. The magnitude of the calling, the greatness and glory of the calling of leading and shepherding God's people is seen in the value of the sheep. God loves you very much. He loves his church. He shed his own blood to redeem us, to care for us, to give us everlasting life. The servant leader, elder, his his calling is beautiful and it's important and it's measured by the value that God puts on his church. So valuable that he shed his own blood for her. 
So we should look for servant leader elders who love and care for the church as well. And that's at the heart of their calling. So that, that's the first part that I want us to see. Servant leader elders are called. Second thing that we see from this passage is that servant leader elders are also challenged. Most people don't enjoy confrontation. If you enjoy confrontation, I have uh, some referrals to counselors you might want to go talk to. Uh, You you may need to talk to someone about that. But uh, one of the things that Paul says to the Ephesian elders outright from the start is that you will be challenged. There are people that will oppose the message and mission of the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the passage talks about a couple of those circumstances. The first, servant leader elders are called to defend and protect the flock of God from outside attacks. It says that in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul basically says, once I leave, people are going to come in, fierce wolves are going to try to devour you, destroy you. People will come into the church to break her up, to cause uh, division. Be alert, be watchful, be careful. Many times those attacks are subtle. They're complicated. They're cloaked by something really good. But what he's saying is, ultimately, there are people that will stand opposed to the message of God's grace. From the outside, they'll come in. The other thing that this passage says is in verse 30. Servant leader elders are called to defend the flock of God from inside attacks. Paul says essentially in verse 30, from among you, he says, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. People will come from among yourselves to teach twisted things, to draw people away. And we don't know all the details, maybe through the challenges of life, maybe by getting off center from the core teachings of Christianity, but we do know that people can make shipwreck of their faith and they can try to bring others down with them. Paul says it in other places, don't give attention to useless genealogies, have nothing to do with irrelevant, irreverent myths. Romans chapter 16 Verses 17 and 18 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, deceive the hearts of the naive. Think about how difficult that could be. Standing up to folks like that from among your own church that you love, that you've walked side by side with, that you've shared meals with, and having to say, brother, sister, you're wrong. You're not in the right. You need to stop. Servant leader elders are called to defend the flock of God from inside attacks. Now, a couple applications here. First of all, Servant leader elders are primarily called with a positive calling. So uh, they're not perpetually on a witch hunt. They're not looking for people that disagree with them. And they're 
particular theological viewpoints. I've been part of churches that where that's the, the culture before, and it is uh, it breeds self righteousness and insecurity. The lion's share of the work in caring for and overseeing the flock of God is done through love and prayer and relationship and community and visitation and reminding ourselves and one another about the good and gracious promises of God in the gospel. Paul uses himself as an example. He says, I did it with tears from the heart. It's in the week in, week out accountability and worship and teaching and ministering and sharing the sacraments, loving and caring for the flock of God, is sharing the gospel and seeing the kingdom grow. So there are challenges, but the overwhelming calling of an elder, of a pastor, of a lay leader is to positively love and care for the flock. The other thing is that servant leader elders will have to make hard decisions. And I alluded to this already. It may mean telling your friends that they're wrong. They're in jeopardy of making shipwreck of their faith. It will involve telling some people, no, this isn't the right time. This isn't the right thing. It may mean telling someone that they need to get help. It may include church discipline and conversations that are hard and difficult and heartbreaking. And as you think about nominating and electing elders and leaders for this church, think about men who are both compassionate and courageous. Whose lives are filled and marked by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and an unwavering conviction that His Word and His way is the guide for our lives. Last part of application here on this thing about servant leader elders being challenged. I don't mean to imply that the decisions and the work of the elders of the church should never be challenged or questioned. We want to cultivate an open and honest dialogue about the church, about our actions, about the future. We want to promote transparency and accountability about our work and the work of South Baton Rouge Church. The elders don't have all the answers. There are times, plenty of times, where they're not sure what to do. The elders and prospective elders of South Baton Rouge Church are men, broken, sinful, limited, with faults and failures and blind spots in their own baggage, just like any other human being. And you can bring your concerns and your questions and your opinions to them, and they may agree with you or disagree with you, but it is their desire, it's our desire, that we should look to nominate and elect men who have this humble reliance on God and dependence on God. Elders are called to oversee the flock, to care for them, to love them. They face challenges from without and within. And that is why this last part is so important. Notice how Paul wraps up this part of his conversation to the Ephesian elders. Look at verse 32. Now I commend you to God and the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Servant leader elders are commended. 
They're commended. Now, we think of commendations as medals or awards, a commendation of valor or service, but Paul wraps up this admonition and encouragement basically saying, I commend you, I give you over to God to fulfill your calling and to accomplish this task. It's too great. It's too much. I place you in God's hands is what Paul is saying. He's already got you. He already holds you in the palm of, your, of his hand. He already loves you and guides you and directs you. If you're tempted to think that the calling of a servant leader, elder, is impossible, it's too hard, it's too great, that's okay. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on your abilities or your achievements or your skills. It depends on God. Paul says, I commend you to God. You need Him and He's got you. What a wonderful reminder for us. As we move toward elder and deacon nominations, as we, we begin the search for a senior pastor, as the current elders of South Baton Rouge Church are faced with complicated and difficult situations, God's got us. We need to trust Him and lean on Him and rest on Him. And beyond the whole discussion of, of elders... Isn't this a great and precious reminder for all of us? We need to entrust ourselves to commend others to God as well. He's the only one who can ultimately lead us and guide us and carry us in this life and into the next. I commend you to God and, it says in verse 32, to the word of His grace. God has not left us in the dark. He's given us His Word, a guide, a hope, a joy, a rebuke, and ultimately, it's the Word of grace. You thought about that? The big picture story of the Bible, the story and narrative of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is grace. God came down to rescue us and deliver us from our sins. It's all about grace. We never get over it. We always come back to it. We live our lives, pastors, elders, deacons, moms, dads, boys, girls. We live by grace. Have you ever heard of a man named Jack Grout? One of the most influential people on the game of golf, in the history of golf. And it's not because he invented it. It's not because he scored the lowest round at some golf course. It's because he was a teacher. And his student was Jack Nicklaus, arguably the greatest golfer of all time. And I love this story. Each year before the golf season, Jack Nicklaus would drive down from his home in Ohio to his coach's house in Florida. He'd knock on his door and they'd meet together and they'd shake hands And not soon after, Jack Nicklaus would say to his coach, teach me how to play golf. The greatest golfer in the world would go to his coach and say, teach me how to play golf. And can can you imagine the conversations? This is how you hold a golf club. This is how you grip it. This is how you stand over the golf club. And this is what you need in your backswing and your follow through. And this is how you address the ball. And from the very beginning, 
With the most basics, he reminded Jack Nicklaus of the fundamentals of golf. We never get over the most fundamental part of Christianity. Grace. Calling the life of servant, leader, elders must forever be marked by and shaped by and rooted in grace. And what a perfect way for us to end. As we think about the awesome and heavy responsibility of caring and loving for the flock of God, where better to end than with grace? We all need it. Those who are now serving as elders need it. Those who will be nominated and trained and elected, they need it. Whether you've been a Christian for a really long time, you need God's grace. Whether you're here investigating the claims of Christianity, wondering if you're going to become a Christian, you need grace. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with your life and your circumstances or your faith. You need God's grace. Our only hope and strength is is that we've been commended to the word of God's grace. Let's pray together.